eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside my colleague and Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins and the Oyster Boys are back together. New platform on 24-7 Sports. We are super excited for this opportunity. And Drew, it's been a dramatic couple weeks in college football recruiting. And I know we got a lot of time and there's a lot to discuss, but I want to jump right into it. And, and let's start in the Sunshine State where you reside with a couple of recruitments that you have been following very closely. But I would say the headliner this week, even in the midst of Cormani McLean and all the drama that has followed him, Jaden Rashada, one of the top quarterbacks in the country from the state of California, was a Miami commit over the summer, flipped to Florida in November. And all of a sudden, we start hearing rumblings that Jaden Rashada is planning on not enrolling at the University of Florida. The date for him was January 13th. This past Friday was really important if you're a Florida fan. The ad drop date uh, for Jaden Rashada at the University of Florida, that date comes and goes. And now we're in a little bit of limbo and we're waiting to see if Florida is going to release Jaden Rashada out of his uh, current letter of intent. And we'll wait and see. But Drew, just your overall thoughts on this situation. Obviously, a, a really important year for Billy Napier heading into year two in Gainesville, six and seven this past season. That quarterback room doesn't exactly exude confidence with Graham Mertz even coming over from Wisconsin. We saw a little bit of Jack Miller in the Las Vegas Bowl and then Max Brown there as well. They need this guy. Yeah, Coop. Well, first off, good talking to you. It's been a few days. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're going to go full mono solo this one. Uh, no, certainly big news and something that's transpired over the past really week uh, when those first reports came out there that Rashada had not shown up on campus with the rest of the enro early enrollees. And just to give some context, I was in Orlando at the Under Armour All-American game when Jaden Rashada went through all the media uh, he sat at the 24-7 sports table, talked to our colleague Greg Biggins for 
uh, about 25 minutes. I was typing something and overheard this whole conversation. And at that time, which would have been, I think, the 28th of December, uh, that check-in day for the Under Armour game, Jaden, no signs that he wasn't going to Florida in terms of everything he said about Billy Napier, why he flipped from Miami to Florida. I mean, he laid it all out there. And if you had told me, fast forward two, three weeks, that this guy would uh, still be on the market or in limbo, I would have been pretty surprised because he spoke very highly of what Napier does with his quarterbacks. He thought it was the perfect fit. He broke broke down how when he was in Gainesville in November for that Kentucky game, he could see himself playing for the Gators. So this is all surprising. And, and Coop, really, I, I wrote this down. I've texted a few people as this as 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 we got into the weekend. Like I think Jaden Rashada will be the Maurice Claret of NIL. And, and what do I mean by that? He's kind of like the first guy at the forefront where this case is playing out in the public. Um, and there's been some some ebbs and flows. So I want to know what's next for him. And, and really what I want to ask you, Coop, because we've seen these, these deals and these numbers thrown around. Um, everyone has reported on the $13 million deal. I think it was Edgar Thompson for the Orlando Sentinel who first put that figure in print or, or put it out there. And I've heard from a few different people that's that's somewhat accurate in terms of what the deal could have been or, or how it could have played out. Coop, you worked on the other side, right? So you were on staff at Alabama. You were in the, ran a recruiting department at Washington. You ran another at Oregon. You've been around. Uh, you've sat in those war rooms. Just your first initial reaction to $13 million being a, a deal. And, and 13 is a very notable number because Kenny Pickett, the first round pick last year uh, by the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think his current deal is $14 million. Lamar Jackson's on a $9 million deal. Jalen Hurts, who's fighting for a Super Bowl, is on a $6 million deal. And then Brock Purdy, I don't even think he's making more than $5 million. So you break down 13 million over four years, that, that comes out to be a little bit over 3.2, 3.25 per year for, for Jaden Rashada. My initial reaction to that is that's that's a lot of dough to be shelling out to a 19-year-old quarterback who's going to turn 20 in August. I mean, Jaden Rashada is one of the oldest arms and that's, that's not really the concern, but you know, Rashada for us, Andrew was a guy that we went back and forth throughout the process and saying, is this a bona fide top 32 arm? And from a talent level, I think the answer from a consensus was a yes. But from the, the resume and from what we projected into the future, there were some question marks there in terms of the consistency with Jaden Rashada. So, you know, the number that had been floated around a guy like Nico Lieva, who is a top five quarterback for us in 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 a lot of ways, somebody that we really think could potentially blossom into a generational type prospect, that number was $8 million. And at the time that number came out, we thought that was really high. And so for Jaden Rashada to be here, still a top 32 player in the country, the number 29 prospect, according to 24-7 Sports, I think this just goes to show how far out of touch the NIL era has, has certainly become. And for Florida... I mean, it, it got to the point that they didn't feel comfortable here with this number. But that, to me, how did it ever get here with, with Jaden Rashada? I, I want to know if it's if it's on the collective that that has organized this number or 
or or some of the boosters or or it's on the other side, Florida side. Because to me, everything I've heard about UF and, and and Napier since he arrived in Gainesville and that operation he has set up with the army of people and all that stuff. And, and Coop, I know me and you heard a few different things about how Florida almost had kind of a, a money ball type of operation in terms of juggling NIL and, and the kids ranking and the, and the value and who you go after. So when I heard that number, I was, I was taken back and shocked. And I really wonder how comfortable the corner office is with that. I mean, we don't know the details, right? We don't know if Billy Napier and company are working with a certain number that they have to stay under, almost like a salary cap when it comes to Jaden Rashada. So how much is $13 million going to eat out of that? But I, I can see the uneasiness uh, when push comes to shove and it's time to cash these checks that, hey, I don't feel really comfortable with dishing out $13 million over four years. And it could have just gotten to the point where it's Hey, we we don't have that. We don't have that type of liquid uh, to to be dishing out to a guy like Jaden Rashada. And if you're Jaden Rashada in the people in his corner, it's certainly they're evaluating, saying, "Okay, you reneged on a deal." It's kind of hard for us to 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 go forward in this relationship if we don't have that type of established trust. So that's where we are right now. It's a very fascinating situation. And I think this is going to be a case study for years to come, you know, just reading up on it this morning, Jaden Rashada, the type of implications and ripple effects that this recruitment can have on potential recruitments in the future. It's going to be really interesting. And Drew, you touched on it earlier about the liter literature uh, in, in these deals that are disclosed or aren't disclosed. Uh, I think that's going to be really important as well. And, you know, Andrew, you and I pre-production, we talked about the importance of DJ Lagway, the 2024 quarterback committed to the Florida Gators, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, the number six rated arm at 24-7 sports. How, how, how much more important does he become for a Florida quarterback room right now that is still really kind of lacking in identity uh, post-Anthony Richardson? It's huge, right? And I think Florida's quarterback situation is is <laughs> – what one to follow they they've already secured a commitment from from graham mertz the wisconsin transfer who started 30 plus games there uh up in madison most of those in the in the big 10 but outside of that tons of question marks max brown uh a guy they signed last cycle we saw what jack miller could do in the bowl game the former ohio state transfer um and and for florida billy napier i mean you open up the season at utah you face Tennessee in week three. Um, interested to see if they try to bring in another arm, but I guess the silver lining in all this is, is DJ Lagway is committed. He's our number six quarterback in, in 2024, uh, a guy that the Gators went head-to-head -head with Clemson and USC for, big, athletic individual. You could even, I think, comp him to Anthony Richardson, given the type of athlete he is, has improved as a passer. Uh, they need to get him across the finish line. I think reclassifying to 2023. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. We, we've done a, a quick initial study on the reclassifications. It doesn't always really work out, but I can add that Saul DJ Lagway and his father in San Antonio, uh, they were in town for the All-American Bowl. They seem to be all on board with Billy Napier, but that is that is super important. Coop, I, you know, I, I, st I still think we also need to point out that we don't know what Rashada is going to do just because he hasn't enrolled for the spring semester doesn't mean he can't come in the summer. 
you know, there hasn't been anything out there yet on, on terms of other schools. I try to jot down some other schools that could be possible landing spots for Rashada. So I'll start with this. I mean, you know Jaden Rashada. You obviously know the landscape of college football. Is there any school that you would think, hey, this would make sense for them to pursue with with Jaden, or um, do you think it's kind of wide open? I think there there are two trains of thoughts in in you and I talking about this before we hopped on here. Where you know some of the programs that you thought might be a fit to me were more nil minded, and I think in terms of a pure football fit, like I know the guys out west felt like they had a really good rapport with Jaden Rashada and, and the programs that out West that I'm mentioning or California and the university of Washington with Kalen Boer. And I, I listen, what I've heard about Jaden Rashada, it, it's kind of, it's been a mixed bag in terms of what's between the ears and in the character, but you start to do a little bit more digging on the person. And there are a lot of people, a lot of credible people that I really trust in this industry that really like what Jaden Rashada is made of. And I think for him right now, the, the, the most important part is obviously he's in a position right now where he can kind of secure some financial freedom. So I think obviously that's very important for him and his family. But looking past that, I think the best fit is for him to stay closer to home. And I think a natural fit under Justin Wilcox at California with Jake Spavadol, their new OC who came over from Texas State. He used to be Johnny Manziel's offense coordinator at Texas A&M. And then Kalen DeBoer, the job that he's done with Michael Penix at the University of Washington. And for him to be able to go into a situation like that and sit for a year is really important to Jaden Rashada. Because, you know, reading up on him a little bit today, he was talking about the importance of getting to Gainesville in the spring and putting on 20 to 25 pounds onto his frame. And I think this is a guy, even with his age, needs some physical maturation and needs a year that he he can sit and develop. And that being said, Drew, I, I know you have some other schools, but for me, if I was in their corner and let's say money wasn't a factor, which it is, I would say, hey, I, I think our best options are right here in the Pac-12 footprint. I, I agree with you, but I wrote down five possible landing spots. I, I do think the Pac-12 makes some sense, um, and, and, and I wrote down some uh, landing spots. Texas A&M, top of the list. Uh, Arizona State, I threw out there, that fits your Pac-12 mold. Auburn, Louisville, Colorado. Uh, I don't know if you want to dive into those, but I think the theme with all five of those schools is we know that they are – somewhat active and, and have their feet in the water when it comes to the NIL stuff. Uh, Texas A&M, we, we know it with Jimbo Fisher. They have Connor Wegman there, Max Johnson, signed Marcel Reed, a, a late flip from Ole Miss. I still think they could add another arm. Jaden Rashada, he visited Texas A&M back in the summer months. Arizona State, they obviously brought in the big transfer, Drew Pine from Notre Dame. Um, but they haven't signed the high school arm that is committed to them, and that's Israel Carter, who is uh, still on the market, guy I kind of like out, out of California. Auburn, Robbie Ashford's there, Holden Gurner, guy I really like. Expectation is TJ Finley's eventually going to hit the transfer portal once he graduates in May. They signed a quarterback that Hugh Freeze had committed at Liberty and Hugh Brown, but I think Auburn can make some sense. We know that their collective – um, and their NIL initiative has been in place. Louisville's one that really stands out to me. Um, quarterback room seems to be up in the air. 
Brom brought in Jack Plummer, guy who had been at Purdue in California. Pierce Clarkson's also on the way there. Uh, but Louisville is one that stands out to me. And then finally, Colorado. Shadur Sanders is going to go play for Coach Prime, his father. They signed two high school arms. But this seems like a recruitment that uh, Coach Prime would, would love to throw himself into and, and get involved in here uh, down the stretch. I mean, the, the the potential issue I see with Rashada is is now that, that $13 million number is being floated out there, right? And Florida says, hey, we're not going to pay you. But I don't think there is another program out there that's even going to get close to $13 million when it comes to Jaden Rashada. So now you have these elevated expectations. So you wonder what that number really is and how much, how, how challenging now does that make that for Jaden Rashada that he felt like, okay, I was being promised $13 million at some point. Now the number that you know I potentially might get offered might be half of that. So I think there are going to be some obstacles for Jaden Rashada. I think he is going to have to manage his expectations in, in terms of what type of number is going to be thrown around there for his services. And, and we'll see. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I think this comes down to fit. And then obviously, from a compensation standpoint, he's got to go somewhere where he's comfortable. But I think the programs that you mentioned to me, I think Jaden Rashada needs to go somewhere where he's not going to be under a microscope. And right now, if you're heading to Gainesville, that's exactly what's going to be the case, especially what with what's transpired over the last couple months of his recruitment. I think Louisville would be a really good place in a quarterback friendly offense under a guy like, like Jeff Brom. I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't see AM making a play for him. I think Arizona State probably needs a little bit more time to get their facilities in order. I would say the same thing with Colorado. But if there was a guy that could do it, it'd probably be Deion Sanders. So you can't count him out. So Drew, the last thing I want to ask you before we move on to, to Deion Sanders, Cormani McLean in Colorado is your confidence in Billy Napier in the operation after year one, because you and I have spent a lot of time talking about the big three in the state of Florida. And last year, if we would have had this conversation, I would have said the guy that I had the most confidence in going forward from 30,000 feet would have been Billy Napier. If you ask me that question today, there's a strong chance I'm probably probably not saying the same thing. And listen, don't let Jaden Rashada distract you from the fact that they had a really good recruiting class this year in a class that we like. But on the field, Drew, there are a lot of questions. I mean, six and seven, three and five in SEC play. They keep kind of finding themselves in these in, in these headlines that aren't always positive, you know, and, and I feel like it's one of those things. It's 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 not by it's just kind of like by bat, like bad coincidence it kind of feels like they 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 keep getting put or or have themselves in in this situation i think a lot of that has has been put on the pressure that miami and mario cristobal has put on on florida in particular from a nil uh perspective but your confidence and billy napier going in a year or two and i i'll tell you this i'll leave you with this if this is their quarterback room as it stands going into year two this is a pivotal year for this staff I'm I'm pretty concerned if I'm a Florida fan. Well, I'm not ready to write Billy Napier off or, or anything like that. Uh, I think what Florida is going through right now is what Mike Norvell had to go through uh, a few years ago. I think you got to build it from the ground up. You got to tear everything down. They've lost a ton of guys in the transfer portal. I think it's over uh, a dozen 
Um, but I, I, I would not hit panic. I would not hit eject on Billy Napier. And it's easy to say that, but I think there is going to be a pretty hot seat in, in, in 2023. Uh, again, they open at Utah. That is a difficult game. They fa- face Tennessee in week three. I know Tennessee um, has a quarterback change and, and they, and they lose a quarter, uh, a coordinator to, to USF. But I, I think you got to give Billy Napier his time. Um, and then go from there. I'm just not sure if he's going to get uh, the required time. I don't know if he's if it's a slam dunk that he gets year three. But I, I'm not panicking yet uh, on Florida, get, even with the season that they had. That's just kind of my view on it. Safe to say the honeymoon is over. I, I think we both agree there. So sticking in the state of Florida, we're, we're going to go to one of the most uh, talked about recruits, especially recently. And this is a guy that kind of dominated headlines, Drew, for us in December during the signing day period, the early signing day period, if you want to call it that. But Cormani McLean, one of the best defensive prospects in the country, one of the most, uh, I would say, impactful prospects in the country out of the state of Florida. And this is a guy that's been committed to the Miami Hurricanes and kind of uh, turned some heads when he committed to Mario Cristobal in the Hurricanes in October, late October. And fast forward to December, Andrew, on that date, you knew there were going to be some drama. Nothing about this recruitment has been normal at all. The letter of intent does not come in for Miami. And now here we are, January 17th, and Cormani McLean still committed to the Hurricanes, has not signed at LOI, goes on an official visit to Colorado. And it seems like Colorado is kind of the one uh, right now that is the leader in the clubhouse, Alabama. Miami, Colorado, all involved. But since Coach Prime has gotten in the mix here, that that has kind of uh, been the the pulse of where this recruitment is going. Can we just talk about how weird this kind of recruitment's been all around? Um, and I'm someone that's been in, embedded in it from the start, going back to the the pandemic. Uh, for a school that offered Cormani, Georgia Tech, October of 2020, by the end of 2020, Florida, Florida State had offered. Then in the spring, you had Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Miami. They all came coming. Same with Michigan and LSU. I think the thing most casuals forget is BYU made Cormani McLean's initial top five. You go back to November of 2021, he had Florida, Miami, Ohio State, Alabama, and BYU in his top five. And he actually visited BYU unofficially. I think it might have been twice. I know once for sure he made it out to Provo for a, a game. Um, so that's a little context, but let, let's let's get into when the recruitment really, really picked up. And uh, he, he visited Miami this time last year for Mario Cristobal's first real junior day. But then a week later, he was also at Georgia uh, and that had the Bulldogs trending in the recruitment. Remember, they just won a national title. Cormani showed up to a few seven-on-seven tournaments wearing that that UGA hat. Um, sounded like the, the Bulldogs were, were trending and, and things were going in the right direction. But as we got into the later spring months and, and right around that, that contact period, Florida kind of had emerged as, as the favorite. That's what we thought behind the scenes, Cormani. Uh, went to Florida spring game and, and the crystal ball was painted orange and blue. After that though, uh, Alabama, you know, there's talks of him taking an uh, official there 
ended up being an unofficial, took an official to Miami, um, then attended Florida's season opening win against Utah, um, and, and then eventually announced for, for the Hurricanes. But this recruitment's been all over the place. In, in between that timeline, there's been so many different missed flights or, or canceled visits. It's just always been hard to get a, a read on Cormani, which is completely fine. I mean, he can do him. It's just been a, a, a different type of, of recruitment. And I think the exclamation point in all this was Miami sent their entire defensive staff last week to Lakeland High School on the first day of the contact period to meet with Cormani. They show up there in Polk County and Cormani is nowhere to be found. That's because Cormani's on a plane headed out to Colorado to meet with Coach Prime. So just a wild one all around. Uh, I would expect Cormani um, to most likely end up at Colorado, just having touch base with a few different people covering the recruitment. Gabby Arudia of our Miami site, he, he's pointed out, he thinks Miami has gotten close to the point where they might just be bowing out of this thing. I think Cormani's chance of landing at Alabama that might have went out the window when, when they landed Desmond Ricks last month, who's who's now signed. So it feels weird. And, and Coop, let me ask you this. Do you do you think this is like a surprise, Cormani to Colorado? It doesn't feel like the whole Travis Hunter situation. And maybe that's because when Cormani didn't sign during the early signing period, we, we automatically knew to watch out for Coach Prime. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I mean, I think he's boxed himself in. I mean, I think that's where we are. Like, you know, being somebody that's been on the other side, and and I can tell you this, uh, regardless of what's transpired in the last week with Cormani McLean, Mario Cristobal is going to continue to chip away. Uh, but I'll say this, and you know, Chris Peterson used to say this all the time: recruits tell you who they are. You just have to listen. And with Cormani McLean, he just told you who he was. You can't tell me that there wasn't any communication between Miami staff and Cormani McLean when they showed up their entire staff to Lakeland High School and he no-shows. The level of disrespect that that takes to do that without communication, I, I don't care if you're a top 10 prospect in the country. I don't care how talented you are. You know, you can you can talk about these type of things. We can continue to make excuses for the type of uh, uh your behavior you're done right there stick a fork in it for me we're moving on and it seems like alabama's done that obviously they went out they acquired desmond ricks and then you know miami listen like i give mario cristobal a lot of credit because he's going to keep swinging on this he understands the importance 
of talent acquisition, but Miami's trying to get a culture right right now. And if you have guys that are giving you all the signals that they're not committed to being a part of this, then move on. It's not worth your time. So right now, I hope Cormani McLean has found what he's looking for in Colorado because, listen, he, this might be, out of the three that I mentioned, the only option that he has left. And you wonder, especially in the NIL era, all right, what is this going to look like for Cormani McLean at Colorado? And I think Deion Sanders is certainly a guy that has experience, you know, luring a guy like Travis Hunter, the number one player in the country the year before to Jackson State. And you think about, okay, if he was able to pull that off, then he's certainly capable of pulling off Cormani McLean to Colorado. Listen, I, I hope Cormani McLean has a ton of success at the next level. And the thing is, We've seen this before. Xavier Worthy had one of these recruitments where, you know, he signed with Michigan. And before that, it was Oregon. And it, it was kind of back and forth. And it was a roller coaster. He's an elite level talent. He found his way to Texas in Austin with Steve Sarkeesian. It was a beautiful marriage. And he's done really well there the last two years. So he might flourish under uh, Deion Sanders at Colorado the way that he's handled this over the last couple months. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of patience for it. Uh, and I think there's a, a lot of lessons to be learned from that. You know, that being said, he's 18. So he, he's got a lot uh, a road left in front of him. And I hope he does learn from that. So regardless of where he decides to go. But right now, it certainly feels like Colorado. And I think playing under a guy like Deion Sanders, I mean, you certainly understand why that's appealing for a guy like Cormani McLean. I got to give credit here to Steve Wilfong, our, our director of recruiting. He texted me um, as Cormani tried to hide the fact that he had taken the official visit to Colorado. And he said, this one reminds him a little bit of Zach Evans, the five-star running back from a few years ago uh, and how that recruitment played out. So I think that's a good comparison. Cooper, you brought up Travis Hunter. I think with Travis Hunter, what the, the thing that stands out about me and Travis is he's kind of a leader. He's, he's an alpha. He's always been, and I've never really gotten that sense when it comes between the ears that Cormani is that I think he's kind of more, of a follower um you know when when travis hunter shocked the world and, and picked florida or, or backed off florida state and, and announced for jackson state and and did so in dramatic fashion during that signing day that's because he believed in of course Deion sanders but he was he was ready to go be a part of that hbcu movement and and he did that to me it seems like cormani is looking towards Colorado because that's where that's where coach prime is and you know that's that's kind of the the move to do so it's just it's just been it's been interesting to see that perspective um but let's not forget Cormani McLean very very talented individual 19 interceptions uh between his sophomore and junior seasons had two more here as a a, a senior a ton of pass breakups has all the tools to be a, a shutdown guy. We saw a little bit of it during the Under Armour All-America game week. He was limited with injuries, but Cromani, a, a special talent. I think if you were able to pair him with Travis Hunter, I mean, good luck trying to throw on Colorado at some point in, in 2024 and, and 2025. Well, I will say this, Andrew, like the, the other side of this for Cormani McLean, you might have just spelled it out and say, hey, listen, maybe he don't want to go to a situation where he's going to have all these expectations, where he's going to Miami or he's going to Alabama and he's going to be the primary defensive back there in, in a secondary, one of the nation's most prominent programs. 
to go to a place like Colorado really allows him to kind of breathe and develop and then still play with a guy like Travis Hunter, who is this alpha mentality, to learn under a guy like Deion Sanders, who is uh, one of the most dynamic players uh, in his time in dynamic personalities as well. Kind of, I don't want to say uh, it, it provides a little bit of cloud cover for him in terms of a natural maturation. So we'll see what happens with Cormani McLean. It's definitely been one of the more, uh, I would say, I don't know, Drew. I mean, what, what what's the word for it? I mean, like we're watching it and at some point it's like, when you when you make up your mind, let us know. That's kind of that's kind of how I feel. I mean, a lot of a lot of twists and turns there. But Andrew, we've talked about Jaden Rashada. We've talked about Cormani McLean. A lot of time spent on the Sunshine State, which we will spend a lot of time in the Sunshine State. But let's talk about the national champs, the back-to-back national champs, as they continue to just do what they do. And I think a lot of people say. They, they look at Georgia and there's a lot of questions. Are they are they the new uh, Alabama? Is this the next dynasty? And I think the answer to that is very clearly, is there a path for them to continue to have the level of success that they've had? The answer to that is resoundingly yes, in my opinion. I mean, they have not slowed down on the recruiting trail at all. And Andrew, I know there are some names that you want to get into in terms of what they've been able to do in Athens, especially taking advantage of a national championship where they had their parade last week and they got a, a handful of top level players around the country to campus. And, you know, they added a couple guys, Jalen Hayward from the state of Florida, Justice Terry from the state of Georgia, Micah DeBose as well, one of the best offensive linemen right here from the state of Alabama. I mean, the Bulldogs, they just keep on keep on doing what they do. And then that's not to mention Drew Ellis Robinson, the number one ranked corner in the class in 2024. It looks like Georgia's sitting in a good spot with him as well. I think not enough people talked about what Georgia did on Friday. So Georgia wins the national title on Monday, um, has a few days to celebrate. And then those coaches are out on the road recruiting first day of that contact period. Uh, Georgia, 10, 10 coaches, uh, each one of them tried to hit 10 schools. So I think they did a hundred in-state schools on Friday. Obviously the peach state is loaded with talent, but what someone told me is they had assistant coaches and helicopters, which is believed to be a first. And we always see Kirby smart in a helicopter, Nick Saban in a helicopter coaches around the country in the head and, and a helicopter. Those are normally all head coaches, but they had some assistants out there. I believe Todd Hartley our Oyster Boys coaching staff, uh, tight ends coach. I believe he was out there. So they did that on Friday. And then Saturday they had the, the the championship celebration, and that has netted some commitments. And everyone's wondering, hey, can Georgia win a third straight championship? I, I don't have the answer to that, but I do think they can win some more national titles down the line given what they have recruited and what is on the way. Uh, they added Jalen Hayward. Uh, on Friday, picked up a commitment from our number two ranked safety. They have the number one ranked recruiting class in 2024. And then on Sunday, they add two more blue chip individuals, Justice Terry, a defensive lineman out of Georgia. He's our number four uh, IDL. And then Michael DeBose, number five offensive tackle out of Alabama. They have the number 2025, uh, number one ranked 2025 recruiting class. So Georgia, I mean, they just continue to reload, and this is what Kirby Smart does. I mean, it should be kind of expected that they are recruiting at this level, and 
there was a ton of visitors in, in town for that second straight championship parade. I mean, you sent me the script last night, but I didn't look at it till this morning, self-admittedly. You know, I'm up early, 6 a.m. I'm looking at the script and I'm, you know, I'm watching, you know, Jalen Hayward going through the film, Justice Terry a little bit, just trying to get up to speed. And I'm like, hey, you know, why, why, you know, they can be a little bit more patient in, in, in my eyes. And then I realized Justice Terry is at 2025, moving the way that he does, size athleticism combination. Same with Mike DeVos. I, I love him, being able to get him out of the state of Alabama. That's a big gift for the Bulldogs. Now, long ways to go there, but a good start for Kirby Smart. Ellis Robinson, I mean, silky smooth, freshening it up on him this morning. I love him, have loved him, out of the state of Connecticut originally, playing his ball at IMG, played opposite of Desmond Ricks this year. So Georgia doesn't look like they're slowing down anytime soon. Another team, Drew, that's starting to pick up momentum. That is Mike Norvell in Florida State. And Andrew, you, you've been talking about this class for a while, but, you know, coming off the first 10 win season under Mike Norvell in Tallahassee, to me, you know, there have been, a, I would say, some questions that Florida State has done a tremendous job in the transfer portal. But I would say on the high school side, there's a little meat left on the bone, uh, to, to be fair, in terms of what they could accomplish I think they're in the best position yet to have the most success that they've had at the high school level going into 2024. It's interesting to just see the juggling act that Florida State has. And I do think they have a, a plan in place, but as being on our side of things, trying to just figure out what they want to do, um, I, you know, I, I'm trying to still piece all that together, if that makes sense. And Florida State, um, you bring up the transfer portal, Cooper. I mean, they have the number one ranked transfer class uh, per two four seven sports. That they are they are crushing it there. Um, and, and Mike Norvell used the transfer portal to turn things around. A, a ton of the guys that played key roles in that ten and three season were guys that initially signed with other schools and, and came to Florida State and, and bought in and uh, was able to get the job done. So I don't think Florida State's ever going to go away from the transfer portal, but I do think they wanted to right the ship, get things under control, and then attack the high school ranks. And I have long circled 2024 as the class and the, the cycle where they were going to do that. And look at their commit list right now. They're sitting number four in, in 2024. Um, they got some headliners in that class. Luke Cromanoke, quarterback, we're, we're big fans of him. Cameron Davis, a, a running back out of Georgia. Um, so they got a lot of guys, talented guys committed right now sitting there. Uh, with eight commits and it, it it sounds like they had some some kids on campus that they would love to add to that group charles lester the third our, our number four ranked cornerback in 2024 he was a guy that was on campus jordan lyle uh, our number 24 ranked running back he's from st thomas aquinas talking with some college coaches here over the past week he seems to be someone that is quickly rising up on on recruiting boards around the country and then jonathan daniels offensive tackle from up there in the panhandle cooper you got to see him at the national combine a few weeks ago i mean all three of those guys it seems like florida state's in in good position and then i know steve wilfong chris knee zach glowstein all those guys have put in some more uh predictions for the seminoles but uh you know just just trying to figure out how they juggle the number situation will be interesting how many guys does does florida state take from the prep ranks in in 2024 knowing just how much success they've had with veterans and, and used goods here uh, over the past year. 
And they've been tremendous in, in terms of their, their usage in the transfer portal. So I think they need to lean into that uh, in terms of what they've been able to accomplish this, uh, accomplish in recent history under Mike Norvell in leaning into that. Like I said, and, and to me, I, I like the combination of what they're doing. I think we'll see more uh, of an investment on the high school side this year in 2024, because like I said, you just won 10 games. There's a lot of momentum and there is an opportunity for them to cash in on what they uh, the, the level of success they had on the field this past year. Drew, out of the names that you mentioned, listen, I really enjoy Charles Lester. That's why he's one of the best players in the country. I like the Jordan Lyle kid a lot. I, I do think there's something there. And then Jonathan Daniels, big, lean frame out of the state of Florida. I thought he moved really well in San Antonio when we got to see him a couple of weeks ago. So Florida State, a team to watch, especially in 2024. But, Drew, as we kind of get into the, I would say, uh, back end of our show, uh, a couple of news and notes uh, as of late in the college football recruiting world, and that's Texas. They pick up a 2024 signal caller from the state of Texas. That is Trey Owens, the number 28 quarterback in the country, three-star. He committed to Texas last Wednesday, and you kind of brought up the point of, like, how, how do you juggle following up a generational prospect like Arch Manning if you're Steve Sarkeesian or quarterback coach A.J. Milwe. And I'll tell you this, really diving into Trey Owens this morning, I mean, like, if there's a template to do it, this is it. I mean, you know, you look at Trey Owens, Cy Fair High School in Texas, that's two and a half hours away from Austin, Texas. This is a guy, six, four and a half, over 200 plus pounds. He went 10 and two. He's playing good competition in the state of Texas, completed 66% of his passes. He had a 34 to 6 TD to INT ratio. To me, that's what you want. Like this, this was a, a strong early ID by Texas. And I think they were able to get their ducks in a row because they knew this was going to be their situation and their circumstance as soon as Arch Manning jumped in the boat. They knew that this was going to be a little bit more of a difficult recruitment to navigate. How do you get an arm in the boat following up Arch Manning and create a vision for them that they see a path to the field. I really like this Trey Owens kid in terms of developmental upside. And I think that's what it's all about. Find a guy that you can develop and has tools in a, in a guy that, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes, grew up wanting to wear the burnt orange. And I think that checks the boxes with Trey Owens. I was going to ask you when you were at Washington, Oregon, Alabama, I mean, was there ever a time when you guys had to follow up a, an elite, elite quarterback and, and try to get another guy in the boat. And uh, I think the rule of thumb, and I've subscribed to this theory, is you, you want to take a quarterback every year. Uh, and I think maybe Nick Saban's ahead of everyone taking two quarterbacks uh, a year, or he's, he's, he's done that more and more. And I just think with all the quarterback movement and the transfer portal, you got to take an arm. Uh, you got, you got to continue to restock and replenish that quarterback room. And I think with Texas, I, I watched Trey Owens popped on the tape. Um, I, you see it with the frame. I mean, he's a verified six foot four and change 222 pounds or 220 pounds, or excuse me, 202 pounds, 9.5 inch hands. He's got uh, an arm. Uh, I think he's a bit clunky at times with the footwork, but you can see it. And there's definitely tools to work with. I think what's important, like you said, he's an in-state kid. He wants to be at Texas. 
Um, you, you need those type of individuals in your locker room. Coop, I also think it's interesting. Uh, Texas took him over one of our guys, Austin Mack, um, who was a big riser for us, the, the, the big frame quarterback out of California. I remember he visited uh, UT late in November. Uh, we thought I, I was trying to see if, if that's a direction they were going to go. But the quarterback dominoes are falling here in 2024. And I also think we're seeing a little bit of shuffling. But I, I'm all for Trey Owens. I think that's a good take for them. It makes sense. I think he's a guy that can start games in, I would say, the Big 12. But they're moving to the SEC. Um, so good good take for them. And, and one that probably flies under the radar after they had the biggest commitment of the last cycle when Arch just dropped his first tweet ever. Uh, which was a commitment graphic for the Longhorns. Love that move by Arch Manning, by the way. Doesn't get enough credit for that. But, Drew, let's uh, let, let's talk about big year three for Texas. Uh, but let's give a lot of credit as we move east to the ACC to Dabo Sweeney. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm one of Dabo's toughest critics. I'm also a guy that really admires him and the way that he goes about his business. But, you know, I think, there have been a lot of conversations about Clemson. Have they gotten stale, right? Have they plateaued? And, and I think the question for me was, hey, is, is Dabo open to constructive criticism? Is he able, after a year where they won 10 games, but the expectation that Clemson is to be in the college football playoff and compete for national championships, is he able to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate. And what we've seen out of Dabo Sweeney when it comes to staff hires in the past, he has a tendency to promote from within, which sometimes can be a good thing. Other times you need outside influences. You need new voices. You want to make sure that you don't go stale. And we saw that this year. After one year, they make a move from uh, Coach Streeter, their offensive coordinator, and they go out and they get Garrett Riley from TCU uh, fresh off a uh, – incredible year there in Texas Christian. And, and to me, Drew, this was a reminder of like what Clemson's capable of when they throw their weight around. To me, I just want to see them do that a little bit more often. And I love this hire for Clemson. And already, Drew, they go out and they get a commitment from a big tight end in Illinois. And excuse me, I'm going to apologize on the front end. I'm going to try to get this pronunciation right. But Christian ben, Bent, Bentinker number eight tied in in the class of 2024 out of the state of Illinois, like I mentioned earlier, but already moving in a good direction. But Drew, I mean, I guess a, a two-part question here, your your initial thoughts on, on Garrett Riley and the pickup at the tight end position for the Tigers. Well, I'm not sure how much Garrett Riley was involved in, in Christian Benton Kerr's commitment, uh, but this is certainly a, a notable shakeup when it comes to the the world of college football, I mean, Dabo Sweeney hiring outside of his coaching tree, bringing in a new mind um, when normally it's just been promote from within. And, and we saw him go get Nick Eason last cycle, who uh, came over from Auburn and was very successful when it came to recruiting the defensive line and assembling the group they had in the 2023 cycle. Now Riley's there. I think another sidebar, interesting nugget, Jeff Scott, the former Clemson wide receivers coach who went to USF. He's going to be back, I, I believe, in some off-field role, but they said he's going to have a hand in recruiting. And I want to know what Clemson does in terms of how aggressive they get on the recruiting trail. Let's not forget, Cooper, last year they had an official visit weekend where there was almost 30 guys on campus there in June. 
Dabo decided to change up what he had normally done. Uh, and I think that worked out down the stretch. They didn't lose much of the guys from that recruiting class. So uh, what direction? I think the, the first question that comes to mind with, with Riley now um, at Clemson is what do they do at quarterback? There are still some big names that have yet to make decisions. Jaden Davis, the top uh, top 32 quarterback for us uh, out of North Carolina. He still hasn't make it, made a commitment reading our Clemson site. It sounds like they believe Jaden's going to show up uh, the weekend of the 28th for their elite junior day. But there's also another quarterback that's going to be uh, in, in town, and that is uh, Walker White, who's another top 247 arm. So I'm interested to see what they do at quarterback. I think that they, they kind of hold the keys to maybe some of these other recruitments in terms of how the dominoes fall. Now back to, to Christian uh, Benton Kerr, I put on the tape, man, this is a guy that can move very well. You know, not a ton of verify, verified information out there, uh, but Clemson has had success in the past with the tight end position. I think he's a, a natural mover, wins 50-50 balls. Not a ton of blocking, but he does play some defense, uh, gets after the quarterback, well, not afraid to take on some, some edge rushers. So big pickup for Clemson. They beat out Oregon and Ohio State. Uh, and the number eight ranked tight end in 2024 is going to be a Tiger. Drew, quick question for you. You know, you, you brought up Jaden Davis, one of the best quarterbacks in the country in 2024. This has long uh, seemed to be that Michigan has been a factor in Jaden Davis's recruitment. And I think a lot of people expect Jaden Davis to end up at Michigan. That being said, how much do you think a window of opportunity uh, comes open for a, a program like Clemson, who's had a very good track record in developing quarterbacks. Now you throw in Garrett Riley into the mix. And this is the second consecutive year Jim Harbaugh's name has been tossed around in NFL head coaching circles. And you wonder at some point, is that going to take a toll on Michigan on the recruiting trail when it, when it comes to quarterbacks specifically? I think so for sure. And I kind of asked Jaden about that when I saw him at the All American Bowl. He was he was he was there hanging out as well. And he seemed to be uh wanted to take his time with the recruiting process when I talked to him. And that was before the Harbaugh stuff came out. But that that was definitely, I think, something that was on, on the top of his mind. And I think it is with all these quarterbacks. Hey, you know, I, I want to know where I'm going, what the future looks like long term. Uh and Jaden's a guy that's also been to Alabama, who's at Georgia, um, he's kind of the one, I think, that, uh, again, will unlock some dis decisions for these other guys. So, I, you know, does he want to play for Riley? I, I don't know. TCU wasn't in the mix for Jaden Davis, but we could have our answer here uh, in, in the next few weeks if he does show up to Clemson for that elite junior day. I'll, I'll be interested to see in terms of once J.J. McCarthy, once his time is done in Ann Arbor, how is Michigan going to follow that up? Dante Moore, the only top 247 player in the state of Michigan this past year, he's taken his talents out to L.A. So Jaden Dave is certainly a priority for Go Blue. Drew, we're going to end this show the only way we know how and the only reasonable way we know how. We got producer Lance Glenn out of New Jersey, Rutgers alum. My guy, we're going to talk a little bit of Rutgers and Greg Schiano here. How about Rutgers with a top 247 commitment? Gabriel Winowich, the number 25 athlete in the 2024 cycle. He commits to Rutgers on Sunday. And Drew, you, you posted it. <laughs> this guy, he's on the freaks list 
watch list, which I didn't even know was, there, there was such a thing, but looking at them, six foot plus, 210 pounds, the 47840, that doesn't pop for you. But how about this? The 398 shuttle, uh, almost a 10-4 broad and a 6-6 L drill. He also plays lacrosse. Go ahead and break this guy down for us. <laughs> Well, the Freaks List watch list is a, a working and living thing. It, it lives in my favorites bar. It's a, it's a Google document. For people that don't know, I've never heard us before. I do do a Freaks List for every class. Did, did one for the past two. Um, the 2024 one will be bigger than ever, thinking about expanding it to 100 names. And, and, and Gabe, he's out of Michigan. He is on this list. Coop, I looked it up. That 398 shuttle is the fastest known shuttle in one of these da databases for the 2024 cycle. Uh, I forgot to look up the L drill, but 6-6 six, six in the L drill, three-cone drill, whatever you want to call it. That is also elite, elite, elite. Again, he's in our top 247, committed to Rutgers over the weekend, was on campus uh, in Piscataway. Um, believe they view him as a running back, guy that goes both ways, plays a little edge rusher, off-ball linebacker, um, but he can move and obviously change directions. Uh, ran for 887 yards, 9.3 yards per carry in a six-game junior season. Rutgers now sitting with the number 32 class in the 2024 cycle. They got two commitments, and I, I want to give a shout-out to what Rutgers did last cycle as well. You know, they finished in the 50s. Um, but as we audited some of these states here down the stretch and everything get, gets lost with the early signing period, I did think they got two steals in the Sunshine State. Uh, Abraham Wright, front seven defender, I've, I've been a long fan of him. And then Bo Masco, a cornerback out of Central Florida, I think he was another steal for Rutgers. So they're always looking for traits um, and, 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 and game winnowich. It's, it's, it seems to be a guy that Greg Schiano fits fits the mold of what he's looking for. All right, Andrew, we got a, we got our first guest on here. I was told I, I got to bring him in. He is our producer, but Lance Glenn, we appreciate you joining us. All right, your your two cents on uh, well, Gabriel Wolwitz. So so you know you know what was actually what was funny about that was I was also on campus on Sunday, uh, as was he. I I was actually in fact I saw him because I was at the Rutgers Ohio State basketball game. He was also at the Rutgers Ohio State basketball game, as were all the uh, visitors or most of the visitors for this this junior day. And let me just I just want to say this it was quite the day for Rutgers. They beat Ohio State <laughs> in basketball. They landed a five star basketball commit, highest ranked commit in program history. And they landed Gabe Winowich, obviously a four star running back. So uh, quite the day here in New Jersey. Uh, we were all going wild. Uh, and quite the day for Rutgers. You know, it's it's not often that Rutgers has great sports days, especially when it comes to uh, to Rutgers football. But uh, in Rutgers athletics as a whole, basketball and football, it was a pretty good Sunday for the Scarlet Knights. How, how much NIL money is Winnowich getting? I can't tell you. Uh, <laughs> Rutgers NIL. Look, I look. Rutgers NIL isn't isn't the biggest isn't the biggest collective. Uh, we have our we have a collective. Don't get me wrong. Nice to the Raritan. Uh, not the biggest one. You know, it won't match up with the uh, you know reported 13 million that that Florida was uh was talking with Rashada or even the 8 million that uh Tennessee was talking with with Nico but uh you know we hold our own here in the garden state don't get me wrong we hold our own all right Lance we love you a lot but I don't I don't want you to I want you to manage expectations this is probably the most you're ever going to hear about Rutgers I'll, uh over the I'll next take what I can, I'll take what I can get take I'll what take you can get, get buddy I know you've been working hard we had to throw that in there for you Drew tomorrow We'll be back. We're going to be doing this thing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday.
And guess what? We got a great name, the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Drew, are we going to be talking a little Brock Purdy tomorrow? Is that the word on the street? I think it's on it's on the table. We'll we'll see what transpires here over the next uh what 12 hours before we have to make a, a new outline for, for the show. Brock Purdy, a dude or a system guy? I think that's going to be the uh the, the headline tomorrow for tomorrow's show. Drew, as always, I enjoyed doing that, uh doing this show. With you, my friend, a good inaugural show on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. And hey, listen, if you like the show, make sure you subscribe to the show. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, all the podcast platforms. Also, make sure leave a comment on there as well. You can rate the show as well. Any type of feedback, always appreciate it. And guys, for Andrew Ivins, Lance Glenn, we appreciate you listening. And we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks a lot. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday, after the Equalizer, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.